Mm -hmm. Well, uh, welcome to the History of LASKIA one-on-one sessions. I'm your host, Junior Francis. This series celebrates uh, Southern California's Kia Rocksteady and vintage reggae scenes through insightful conversations with legends and key players from today's revival. This is the 18th edition on on the one-on-one session on our third and this exciting and massively new podcast and YouTube channel format. Thanks to our regular supporters and welcome to first time listeners and viewers. You're always welcome. Now today's guest is uh, Pat Chin, Patricia Chin, known affectionately as Miss Chin. Her career spans six decades from Randy's Record Mart and Studio 17 in Jamaica with her late husband, Vincent Randy Chin to VP Records in Queens, New York City. It's a pleasure to welcome you, Miss Chin. How are you today? Thank you very much. And thanks for that introduction for you, Junior. Also, Eric, I am so happy to speaking to you from New York City. Very hot today yes. to California. So thank you and to all your fans. Thank you for having me. Yes, no, it's a pleasure. First, a massive congratulations to you uh, on your stunning new memoir, My Reggae Journey, as well as the recent Studio 17, The Last Reggae Tapes documentary film. Both have been receiving positive response worldwide, uh, and in particular, reggae, skia, and rocksteady fans. So I want to congratulate you on that. Yes, thank but you. In any event, I should point out that we'll dwell deeper and much, much deeper as we go through the interview. Okay. And you know, your book, your memoir, and of yes. course, the documentary. Yes. Well, you hear there and everywhere. I, every time I turn on, uh, the internet, I see you. Congratulations, man. I don't know how you do it, but you're working magic. Yes, you know, so this the is your second interview caused... for the day, right? <laughs> yeah, the pandemic has caused a lot of shutdown in many places. Mm-hmm. But I'm grateful that we have Zooming and uh, the internet where we still can showcase our music. Uh, and my book has released since March. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing a lot of interviews for people who didn't know that I was behind the music for the last 60 years. As -hmm. you know, we came from Jamaica from 1958, we started. Small record shop, Randy's record at 17 North Parade in Kingston, Jamaica. And that was in 1958. So I'm doing music over 60 years. Mm -hmm. I was only 18 at that time. So over the 60 years, you practice one profession and one only, that's just selling and producing Jamaican music. Yes, didn't go to business school, me and my husband. Maybe that would have been a hindrance. (laughs) (laughs) And you're so massively successful. Yeah, we we learn as we go along. Mm -hmm. And we stay there for 20 years. We develop a community. A lot of artists, producers, and singers pass through our doors. Mm-hmm. My husband is not here with him today, but my book has spanned 60 years of music mm-hmm. from, from, from mental to ska to rocksteady, drum and bass to dance all now. Mm-hmm. I was just at my retail store doing a video shoot with Spice and Shaggy, and she have the biggest, biggest dance hall hit right now. So I am so happy and blessed to see our music has reached this far. Mm-hmm. And I thank you for having me. And I will talk with you about my 60 years of journey in the music, the ups and downs, the struggles. Yes. 
and the triumph that I had. Mm -hmm. But mostly ups. <laughs> yes, I would say mostly ups. Yes. One step at a time, yes, one day at a time. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you though about your childhood growing up in Jamaica as a Chinese Jamaican and how you were able to meet your husband, Vincent. Okay. It was a very Long pleasant story. one from what I know. I did very little. I used to see him there when I come to buy records for Parkers. Yes. Uh -huh. Well, it's been a long journey. I'll try to make it as short as I can for 60 years journey. I grew up in Jamaica. You know, my father is East Indian. My mother is Chinese. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Greenwich Farm. A lot of the singers and musicians come from Greenwich Farm. Yes. And that's, that's a little area in Jamaica. Then my husband was working in a jukebox company, changing the jukebox, going around on the island. If anybody don't know jukebox is that machine that they put in the clubs and the bars and the shops, you punch a shilling in there. That time was shilling and pence. And you, <laughs> and you select five records of your choice. In 1958, we didn't have Jamaican music. It was just mental. We, mm. didn't, have a, we didn't have a culture named reggae music. It was all R&B, American record. So my husband used to go around the island changing the jukebox records. And after a time, we collected a lot of rejects. So we bought them out from the company. And that's how we started the store, mm -hmm. selling old jukebox records. And those were primarily American records and perhaps primarily a few from England. American records mm -hmm. because Jamaica only had one radio station, which is RJR. And they used to pump all R&B. That's why some of the... R&B singers always come to Jamaica to help their music because we, we play 24 seven. That's all we used to know. And like Jamaica, first of all, Jamaican music, they didn't accept it. The radio when my stations. husband made independent Jamaica in 1962, mm -hmm. nobody in the station wanted to play it. Was but it because it was Calypso? It was twist Calypso, of Calypso. Like, and, and it wasn't, um, I guess you, you can't start comparing it to R&B. It was different. Mm -hmm. It was our own way of improvising the culture and just to, to sing what's going on in the country. You see, we Jamaica, we have Jamaican, we are very gifted with music. We sing for everything. We sing when we're happy. We sing when we're sad. We sing when we're working, funeral, streets, <laughs> everything we sing. So we use our songs to show our emotions. We're, we're very gifted in music. So we started selling jukebox record, like a 10 by 10 space at 17 Knot Parade. We did pretty good. So we went out and buy one Percy Sledge, one Jim Reeves, those were all LPs at that time. 1958 was all LPs and 45, a little seven inch vinyl. So the late, uh, Eddie Siaga, he owned, he is the late prime minister. He was in the music business. So he had a, he had a recording studio and a manufacturing plant named West Indian Records. Mm -hmm. And he sell most of the American records. And I go to one hour's radio service. So buy one needle, one brush, one turntable, <laughs> all in once. <laughs> and when we sell it, we go back and buy one more. <laughs> and that's how my journey started. <laughs> that was the anchor of how I started. And, and staying there for 20 years on the counter, we bought out the building. We put up a studio called Randy Studio 17. 
-hmm. And the studio was there, you know, it helped the singers, helped the producers, because we were in the heart of Kingston, right downtown. Yes, man, right in the heart. We had a little area named Aglo's Rest, right Mm -hmm. at Chancel Lane. So there we developed like a a haven for, for Jamaican music. There were foreigners come to buy new music to sign artists. There were the singers, the producers, the, the musicians, the buyers and sellers. So when the student is going on and they want a backup singer or they want a, you know, any musician, they would call downstairs and the musician or the singer go up and they get a job. Mm-hmm. So we had a lot of foreigners coming through like Johnny Nash, Fats Domino. Mm-hmm. Otto Jenkins, quite a lot of foreigners came to use the studio because they right. like the sound of Studio 17. So for the for historians who would love to um, time track, exactly uh, what year did Studio 17 open? I think it's about ni- 1958, maybe 1959. Mm-hmm. No, maybe five years after we built the studio. Right, so that would be up about 60... and five, like that. Like, like 62, 63, 64. Yes, mm-hmm. right. So there we stayed. We stayed there for 20 years, mm-hmm. working the studio, selling music, and we created a one-stop. One-stop mean I sell everybody music. First, you know, in 1958, in the 60s, all the producers only sell their record. That For know, example, boy. Duke Reed only sell his mm-hmm. record, Beverly sell his record, Prince Buster sell, Cox and sell. <clears throat> but what I do is buy the records from each of them and put it with my records so that mm-hmm. when, the, when the customer come from the country or the, the jukebox people or sound system people, they would just get all the records at one place. So I created a one-stop shop. And that and was very popular because the re- I remember the radio stations used to advertise Randy's one stop. One stop, <laughs> no, yeah. No my exactly my slogan <laughs> says, you name it, we have it. Any record you wanted, you could come to my shop and buy. Nice. We stayed there for 20 years. You know, we have people passing through, like little uh, young Bob Marley, mm-hmm. Peter Touch, Jimmy London, Keith Poppin, Bonnie Whalers. Everybody was there, right on the corner. Coxon. Everybody so I guess the question there. to ask is not who you who you have not met, not who you met, since you practically literally met everyone at some point or another. Uh, and so I was doing some memory juggling. Uh, Desmond Decker left for England early. Did you get a chance to meet him? I didn't get a chance to meet I, him, but <laughs> Byron, Lee, Byron Lee, I met him. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I met Jimmy Cliff later yes. in life. They all went to, to, to get the, um, there's a show came on in 1964. They came to America for the yes. World's Fair. Monty Morris. Yeah, with them. Mm-hmm. They, uh, it was little Jimmy Cliff, Prince mm-hmm. Buster, mm-hmm. Uh, Leroy Sibbles, Baron mm-hmm. Lee. They all came to do ska, to, to mm-hmm. give the world ska music. Showcase Jamaican music. To, to showcase Jamaican mm-hmm. talents. Right. That was a big that was a big thing for us. Yes. If you see my book, you'll see I'm standing up in front of that globe. Uh-huh. That's where the world sphere kept. Right, right. Was music mm-hmm. because and on, the, on the subject of who you have met, how about Larry Lakins? Did you meet him? Yes, I know Larry Lakin. I yeah, very well. Millie mm-hmm. Small, you know, Jackie Opel. 
Right. Prince Buster usually passed through. Yeah, because they was already living in Jamaica. Yeah. I, I, I picked I people so who left Jamaica then. very early, just before independence, who I thought you had met. Yeah, you know, um, Millie Small came to the store when Chris Blackwell made her first LP, My Boy Lollipop. Mm -hmm. He came with her and um, she was on about 16, 17. Yeah, yeah, man, I know. But that. Millie Small was one of the biggest female Jamaica to hit the British chart. And well, we she was the one who internationalized Jamaican music in yes. the first place. Credit has to go to her because I think My Boy Lollipop in 64 sold in excess of 4 million. Yes. Internet before Bob Marley and Jimmy Cliff. Yes, she was one yeah. of the first women that put uh, my boy Lollipop on the chart. My husband made a hit named Fatty Boom Boom. Yes. And yes. we didn't even know it was a hit. So that was Most in the um, Sky, re reggae era now, early reggae. Early reggae. Uh -huh. And um, many other ones like Evening News, Lord Creator, Big Show. Will Be Lovers, mm -hmm. things like that. Right. Lord Creator is from Trinidad, but he, yeah, he worked extensively with uh, your husband or your label yes. during the early days, right? Early days. And he did mm -hmm. independent Jamaica. Right. And Mon Pa. Well, Mon Pa was a big one for us too, because mm -hmm. it's telling you, 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 you give honor to your mom and dad. It's a, who used to wash your diaper? It's mommy and daddy. <laughs> He's an excellent writer. Yes, he is. Yeah. He's still alive. I notice his songs are above nursery rhyme and yes. quotation from the Bible. Mm -hmm. Yes. And he's yes. still in Jamaica now, right? Am I yes, right? Yes, he's still living in Portland now. Yes. Portland. And on the outskirts of Kingston, right? Yes. Wonderful. I wanted to ask you a more personal question. How did you meet your husband? I think I sort of wanted to know that. Well, I met my husband in 1957. He was driving the bread van that my grandfather, my mother's father, at a bakery. Mm -hmm. You know, you know the Chinese we set up shop all over the, the country. They call it the Chinese shop. So we had a bakery in Denham Town. So he was driving the bread van, and he usually passed to supply bread right mm -hmm. where we live in Greenwich Farm. So that's I think that's where I met him. That was a long time ago. He was a rude boy. Yeah. <laughs> school and do everything bad you know yes <laughs> so i think it was a few years uh, uh ahead of you your senior from what I well, well we are about the same year but he was more advanced than i was i was mm -hmm. doing nursing at first and you know, i was trying at university too and i stayed a year and a half mm -hmm. and when i got pregnant then i i chuck up the the nursing and then i went into business with my husband Right. As you mentioned, business. Talk about the advantage of owning and operating both business and ice cream parlor and studio all under one um, roof. What are some yeah. of the advantages? Well, when we bought the, the restaurant from Mr. Who, half of it we turned into a restaurant and half in a record store. And then upstairs was the studio. After a time, we bought all the whole building and we put the studio upstairs. So it was everything on the one roof. After a time, we turned the ice cream parlor into a automobile things. We sell needle and record player, you name it, pots and pan. You know, Chinese people sell everything. As long as it's sellable, we sell it. <laughs> and one side was the record store. Mm -hmm. So my husband spent a lot of time in the studio because, you know, downstairs we play a record every day. So he had to have the proper equipment, padded 
the walls, the partitions, so as the sun doesn't go upstairs. And they use the best studio equipment, the best mic. We had three piano, grand piano, regular piano, and a Hammond. So he used to come to America. So he got the best equipment. Mm -hmm. And we got somebody from America to set up the studio for us. So I was talking to two young chap, which are musicians in from California. And they were saying to me, oh, Studio One, it, the, the sound was so good, so live, so more than the big studios here. They, you could hear the guitar. It's like you're going to a concert. But my husband spent a lot of time in the studio mm -hmm. to get the best sound. That's why Lee Perry, when Lee Perry and when Johnny Nash came, they rent the studio for all a month. Yes. And, and do a lot of, Lee Perry especially, he did a mm -hmm. lot of experimenting for different sounds upstairs. Mm -hmm. He was the first one that did Bob Marley music. Right. We're going to come back to Bob uh, and Lee Perry working at the studio. But um, so how were some of the other prominent producers uh, at the time? I know Joe, he, I remember when Joe Gibbs opened a uh, record shop across from you. Yes. Yeah, take it well, from there. Yeah, Joe Gibbs was beside me and up yeah. in Chantilly and they had the techniques and they had quite a few other store. Then you have Beverly's up Orange Street, you have Tip Top below me, you, you know, have Joe KG too. up there. You, you, had a, you had about 15 record store in a little one, one, one mile, you know, not, not yes. even one yeah, mile, yeah. in a little small radius. We, but I think you're closest, and then you have, and yes, I felt like I have a better close. word, competition was Joe Gibbs, right? Yes, competition was, was very stiff among us, mm -hmm. because all the producers trying to outdo the other one. You know, remember Derek Morgan sing Blackhead Chinaman, because yes. Derek Morgan was singing for Prince Buster at one time. Mm -hmm. So when he went to sing for Beverly's, there was a little feud between them and they give out their gross in a song. So they came up with this song, Black and Chinaman. So there was a lot of competition with the sound systems, mm -hmm. the DJs and the producers. Mm -hmm. So that is why you have version of a song. Version is when you have a hit rhythm, everybody do a little piece of it. Sometimes they take out the, the words, they put it in a cappella. Sometimes they take out the words and put DJ, and sometimes they just make it straight instrumental. So that's what we call version. And the version is very good because it makes the originals stay longer on the charts. Because when you go to the dance, everybody wants to do a version to the same record and make it more interesting. <laughs> so there's a lot of competition going on in the 60s, 50s and 60s, a lot of mm -hmm. competition. Because from the research and studies I've done, uh, no other country did version. No other country. Has its origin right here in Kingston. I, I, was, I was on the breakfast club the other day and the mm -hmm. man asked me the same thing. No other people do version. So he asked me, what is the version? How do they get paid? We said back home in Jamaica, they'd love to do version because they're outdoing each other. But the artists, the DJs and the producer, they're just trying to compete with each other, which mm -hmm. makes the record, the original, longer, stay longer on the charts. And when you go to the dances, when you have the original and you have three other versions behind it, yes. music never stops. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the beauty of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so it, it, it serves its purpose. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you mentioned working with uh, 
Lee Perry. Yes. Any, any fascinating stories you want to share with us? Uh, yeah, I was watching a movie in a theater here. I think they debuted a reggae movie somewhere. I can't remember exactly. And when Lee Perry came on the street, uh, the, the screen, I mean, the place went crazy. So I realized that he was uh, recognized and appreciated not only in Jamaica, but worldwide. All over the world. All over the world, man. Well, when I met Lee Perry, he was ahead of his times. Way ahead. Way ahead. He created each experiment. When he came to rent the studio, mm -hmm. he would carry greater, shaka, pan, and can then scan anything he could get that create a sound <laughs> he would go upstairs and carry an experiment because i didn't have all the different effects at that time of course people not think, people think he was mad but he was more of his time because yes. it was it was centric mm -hmm. he would come with pink and blue here and all like that even from back then even from then he was really eccentric and I met him three years ago in the city, you know, he invited me over. And it's same with Lee Perry, same uh -huh. Lee Perry that I met 50 years ago. Yeah. And he's, with, he's very famous, way ahead of his time. People love him. You know, he lives in Switzerland. I think he's spending time between Jamaica and Switzerland. Yeah, he's, he, he's now in a Negril. And I just <laughs> sent one of my books to him because he's such a good friend for my husband. Right. You know, my husband was very sociable. Yes, man. And quieter, man. Yes, yes. Yeah, he did people. They even come without any shoes. And they have $10, $20 hour for the studio. Mm -hmm. They only have $10. So, okay, go on. When you make a hit, you come back and pay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we work it. <laughs> he was very sociable. So he was in charge of the studio. I'm in charge of the store. Mm -hmm. So that's how I get to know all the producer. And right. You know, songs all the rhythm all the producer all the djs everyone i met and mm -hmm. i had to know the songs because sometimes the customer they don't know the name of the song so i say hum it to me and then when they hum it to me then i get to find the record for them you know i'll give you a little joke yes ma'am um down um there's one one producer who he was a dj he wanted a version to stick by me. But, you know, back in Jamaica, they scratch off the label. Mm -hmm. so the sound system, they compete with each other. So if they scratch off the label, they don't know the name of the record, nor the song, nor the name of the producer. So he came to me and he said, you know, it's a nice song, you know, and I want to get that because I'm going in a competition. And he said, can you find it for me? And he said, and I said, hum it for me. He hummed it for me, and it is a version to stick by me, and I found it for him. And he was so happy. He said, Miss wow. Pat, if anybody wanted to tell him you don't know it because I'm going in a competition tonight. <laughs> <laughs> what interesting stories. All the music. Yeah. But then, then in Jamaica, you know, I didn't know I was in trade in a man's job. I just was working. Right, right. You know, the women always go out and work, so... Yes. Selling music and in the producing world was one part of my career. Mm -hmm. Just a big like part. A big part. Fruits, mm -hmm. I, didn't, I didn't see myself as a woman doing a man's job, you know. But when I came to America, I realized that when they said to me, Miss Pat, can you put on a man there on the phone? I was doing telemarketing. So we'd call up the customer and then take their orders. We never have computer. We have to write everything in your hand. 
No joke. We have to have all the music in your head. Because them say, oh, I want a sizzler record with Thank You Mama. We have to know which shelf it's on. I would see the on. Mm. I want a Bob Marley with whatever, what the three little birds. I have to know which LP they want. So I was very versed with all the music. Mm-hmm. So when they said to me, Miss Pat, can you put on a man on the phone? I said, why? I said, well, because I don't think you know what I want. But little did they know I spent 20 years on the counter. So I Amen. all the music. <laughs> That's right. Not only Jamaican music, but American music, American popular music at the time, whatever it was. Whether yes. it was country and Western, rock yes. and roll, R&B. <laughs> yeah. and, and your brother was a very good friend of mine. Yeah, I know that. I think, as a matter of fact, I think he knew you from Kingston. I grew up in the country, so I did know you. But he knew you. He knew your son. He knew your husband very well. I used to roll with Big Youth, you know, when Big Youth had that accident. Well, we were very good friends because Uh they were the foundation. When I came here, Parker, it was here before me. Mm -hmm. There was a couple of uh, reggae store. Your brother in your brother in law in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, Calypso store too. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we, we stayed there and we create all different types of labels. Mm. We have Pat's label, you know, alternately sang on my label, too late to turn back now. We have we have Bunny Lee as a producer. We have Lee Scratch Perry. We have the techniques. You know, we have Prince Buster. Tip top record was Joke Reed. I never met Mr. Reed, you know, but it was such a beautiful, such a beautiful soul. He's from the old school, too. Really Scott. old school. With old two school. Guns, I never met him, but and he the, and, the hidden guns. and he was a darling because he, I hear that he was a very tall gentleman and he had two guns at his side. And sometimes his studio was upstairs and he said, sometime when you're not playing the right rhythm, he'll shut yes, a touch bullet up there. <laughs> Play good music. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, uh, interestingly enough, I was so afraid of him as a child. When I used to go to Kingston, I used to hop around to the different record stores and I would never go close to his store. I would stay across the street and look. And just out of fear that he could fire his gun just randomly. <laughs> yes, everybody know him as that. <laughs> but I would I cruise through your shop, hold a patty and a soda, you know, and move around to draw games. Just, I didn't have money to buy records, but I would just make my rounds. <laughs> I know a lot of schoolboys say the same thing. That's a misspot. I used to pass from school and just sit down and listen to the music. Yes, Miss Pat, how are you not getting any older yet? I'm your big man now. <laughs> a blessing, a blessing, a blessing. I said the music keep me, the music keep me young. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, and you're absolutely right. Uh, you're right. So I wanted to ask you, when you left Jamaica, what year and why? Okay, I left Jamaica. As if I don't know. <laughs> I <laughs> but left for the Jamaica benefit of all 19, our, our 1977. Uh-huh. My husband used to come and go because we used to buy, you know, uh, automobile decorations here. And we would carry up a couple of the American records. Him love jazz, so I usually buy jazz music. Actually, we did a, we made a hit. We um, bought a hit named Shame and Scandal in the family. Scratch off the title and the name of the record. It was a big hit in Jamaica. Shame and scandal in and, the family. I know two, two versions, a Calypso and a... Calypso a, and Peter Tosh sing Tash. it over too, yes. It was a big, big hit for us. And we make a lot of money because we scratch the label mm-hmm. and we sell it as a pre-release. Until, you know, like pre-release, you sell it for two, three weeks. 
it, and then you have general expensive. release to the public. Mm -hmm. But pre-release, you sell it more expensive. Of course. For example, if you used to sell a 45, so for 75 cents, we would just sell the pre-release at $1.25. So we sell mm. it like more expensive. And there's no shortage yeah. of buyers because sound system men yeah, were coming sound in from Montego Bay. I should tell you from about coast sound to coast. Mm -hmm. Our record didn't get played on the radio, you know. It's sound system make it get popular. Right. But I think they also had a, a, a you could buy a 15 minutes or 30 minutes, but when RJR and JBC yeah. and the presenters would play your songs during yes. that time span. But it was very, very expensive. <laughs> My husband said after 12 o'clock when the manager them gone to sleep, him and a friend said just spin some of him like he made Wheel Be Lovers <laughs> with Millie Small. <laughs> so we had to go play after hours because those time was a little cheaper too. Right, like after right. 12 o'clock when everybody's sleeping. And but so the, know, to the yeah. best of my recollection, I know Duke Creed had a Treasure Wild time and Coxon had a Music City time. Those are in prime time, Saturday mornings, so that their songs would be featured. Then the sound man, them coming into Kingston, would hear it on the radio, then they head out to Kingston. To buy it, yes. Yes, ma'am. Uh -huh. so the, the, um, Joe Creed and Coxon was one of the biggest um, producers at that time. Mm -hmm. Then you've come Beverly's, then come Prince Buster, mm -hmm. Techniques, and so on. Bonnie Lee, John Laws. Mm -hmm. So uh, for the 20 years that I'm there, I've gone through all the producers and singers. From Dennis Brown come to Gregory Isaac, to Sizzlers, all the mystic revelation of Rastafari. Satamasagana, all those records was made in the studio, in a circle. Name, so, name as many as you can eh, for, the, for memory juggling. Well, we you know, we had Chris Blackwell passing through. Satamasagana was also uh, made there. Lee Perry, Dennis Brown, Toots and the Matels, we had Johnny Nash. Uh -huh. We had so many, so many people uh -huh. passing through the studio. And, and foreigners loved the studio because it was live. And they, they're more relaxed when they go up there. They would spend mm -hmm. a whole week, two weeks. And who are some of the live, who are some of the foreigners who utilize the studio, non-reggae artists? Well, we had Johnny Nash, we had Fats Domino. Mm-hmm. We had quite a few people, Lee Goptal from England, usually come and buy and sign artists. So Igla's Rest with a little area beside, beside us. Right. They call it Igla's Rest because there you is a hub for all musicians, singers, sound system, foreigners, contract sign right there. <laughs> England. England buy a lot of records from us, you know. Oh, You'd yes. Mm -hmm. in, 19, in, in the 40s and the early 50s, a lot of migration went to England. Right. But the men carry their sound system and they have children, so they follow on. I just saw a movie telling me about Lover's Rock. Lover's Rock was very, very big in England, you know. Mm -hmm. It's like how we have dance all. Right. Big punk. Lover's Rock was their thing because mm -hmm. we had sound system on the street. But they have house music in houses. Right. Mostly lovers rock they played. You know, like oh um Bitty McLean sing a beautiful song. It was it was it was rock steady, but it's like a softer rock steady. Mm -hmm. We had we have this rock steady, but we dance it faster. You know, ska 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 is fast. Rock steady was a little slow. But Rocksteady in England, because they had a lot of female singers, Janet Kay and the whole works, Millie Small, 
they had a lot of female singers in England that came from Jamaica. Mm-hmm. They, they captured the Lovers Rock in England. Mm-hmm. I think Lovers Rock is a big thing in England, much right. bigger than Jamaica. Because we came from Mento to Ska to Rocksteady. Then we have drum and bass where Augustus Pablo was able mm-hmm. to capture that, that era mm-hmm. with just drum and bass. And he brought the harmonica with him and he just dubbing the drum and bass. Right at your studio. Then yeah, in there, mm-hmm. yeah, he made Java Java and many more LPs. Big that big song Java, big big yeah, song. Yeah, it, it was mm-hmm. like a it was a breath of fresh air because it, mm-hmm. it, it, it instead of the pure German bass, it was just a melody inside the German bass. Mm-hmm. And, and that I, song really had to put um, the studio on the map further yes. on the map. It was already but I further. Mm-hmm. I think so, and it was it was a hit all over the place mm-hmm. because it was such a nice sound and it's unique. It's, one of the first of a kind. Yes, it was the first. We have an experiment. And there were only 16. My son and Clive Chin and Pablo yeah. were only 16, 16. going to school. Wow. Yeah, when they made that song. They, most, of the, most of the singers, you see, we, did, we didn't take music as a career, you know. They do it because they love it. So I said, Jamaica are gifted with music. Because when we started, nobody would know that our music would last over 50 mm-hmm. years. They were just young, loved the music. Mm-hmm. The sound system created a big buzz for us. Then our music traveled all because the foreigners come to Jamaica for the music. Mm-hmm. Not only the music, the food, the, the humbleness of the people, the love of the rum, the food, the weed, everything. They love to come to Jamaica because they have a good time. Yes, And yes. they care about the music with them. Mm-hmm. So in retrospect, what is the biggest takeaway from Randy's record, Mart, in looking back now? But before you answer the question, let me remind the viewers and listeners that I um, want to welcome each and everyone to the History of LA Scare one-on-one sessions. I'm in conversation with Miss Pat, uh, known affectionately worldwide. She's been behind the scene for many, many decades. Now she has stepped forward with her new memoir, and uh, she'll be talk. We'll be dwell, uh, talking, dwelling, uh, delving into your new memoir momentarily. So just what, so for for reference, I just want to say you are Miss Pat. Started at Randy's Record, and then came to New York City, where you had to change the name because your brother-in-law was already using the name Randy Record. So how did the name, well, the yeah, VP well, came about? Tell you the truth, when we came, we had started business a little before. But we said, we have to register the business. So we went to register the business. We never thought about the name. <laughs> Until you, so uh, we, just say, we just say, okay, you know, Vincent, just call it Vincent, which is a V, and Patricia, which is a P. So we just say, okay, VP Records. Mm-hmm. It was the simplest way to create, create a name. We didn't really think about the name before we go. <laughs> We're so naive trying, trying to, let me tell you, when we came here in 77, we have to find, we have to, be, we have to be learning the American culture. We have to be trying to sell our culture. We have to find school for the children. We are to live and we are mm. to put up shop. So when you come here, it's like <laughs> you have one foot in Jamaica and one foot here. You don't know where you are. <laughs> Very hard. So why, was Queens, so why was Queens a strategic location to set up? Is it because it, your brother-in-law was already yes. established in Brooklyn and you didn't want to compete? Well, you know what? My husband went to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. We went to Bronx. We could have go Florida. 
We could have gone so many places, but he chose Jamaica, Queens. Mm -hmm. 50 years ago, they didn't have Caribbean people. They're just white people. But he said to me, Pat, I love this area. And I'm sure that later on, you will see a lot of Caribbean people coming. And so mm -hmm. be it. Vincent, wherever you are, your dream comes through. Yes. Jamaica and Queens on a whole, it's really integrated with every culture you can think of. You're not kidding. I am Because dead. your brother-in-law shop, um, Randy's in New York, was the Caribbean yes. and, outlet and where you guys were sending, sending records from Jamaica. We were sending him records from yes, Jamaica to here. They had no competition. Yes. Not at all. Well, we had brads, but they were buying little, couldn't, little records. Yeah, couldn't compete with Randy's in Brooklyn. Yeah, we were sending him the records. So when mm -hmm. we came, we were doing one stop. We never sell retail, just one stop. Mm -hmm. It was about five or six stores. And there were some white American store like Heartbeat, Ronda, Alligator Records. You know, there's a couple white stores. Those came afterwards, though. When yeah, they got into you know reggae, they, was were, they were selling. They were selling the English reggae, mm -hmm. like Linton Quizzy Johnson, Third World. You know, they didn't sell the the core. They didn't sell the mixture of the small people records. But we brought everything with us. Mm -hmm. We tried to sell everybody's music, not only our label but all the small labels. So we were like a one stop. And at one time, you know, we had to do telemarketing. At one time, we had over 600 stores. That you were supplying music to? Supplying all over the place. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's how we started. But we so had, to go, 20, we had uh -huh. to go back 20 years, you know, renting a little space to mm -hmm. 10 by 10. Going to, going, to, going to Brooklyn and Bronx three, four times a day to sell a couple of 45 records. And as they come back, so somebody wanted to say, oh, let them wait in the store, man. We carry the record for you. <laughs> <laughs> and if them can wait, write down them name and take a little deposit because you'll yeah. get the record. What a journey. You know, I, I realize that service is the number one for us. Mm -hmm. We try to sell the customer that they will do well because when they do well, we will do well. So that's, that's one of my, my biggest strengths is mm -hmm. customer service. Mm -hmm. that brought that really take me through and, and be honest with what I do and help others mm -hmm. so now Randy uh, sorry VP Records is established worldwide you have a branch in Mexico am I right you have a, a Brazil I know for a fact New York and Miami is there a branch in Latin America we have one in, we have one in, in England which is Greensleeve uh, we right. did acquire Greensleeve mm -hmm. Greensleeve was our competitor, you know. Yes, man, big time. Big time, because because Shelley, 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 you know Shelley. Shelley, yes. Mm -hmm. He was in England too, and Mr. Palmer. They mm -hmm. were the two biggest store there. Greensleeve right. was a supplier. Mm -hmm. So we used to compete with him because back then, 40 odd years ago, when we have one LP, Greensleeve get it from England and we get it for America. Right. The CMLP, you know, yes. but he exclusively have Europe and England, mm -hmm. while we have America. So at, time, at times he would get the jackets or he would produce the jacket and manufacture it. And then he send the disc to us and then we release it after. But a lot of times he was shipping the goods here. 
so really compete with him <laughs> for a long time. We did compete, but 20 years ago, we bought him out. So mm-hmm. we have green sleeve now. Right. I know very little about the owner, but I know off the record. Uh... And his name is Crystal, like my Chris. Oh, yeah, Chris Blackwell. Right. <laughs> yeah, Chris. Uh, so was he a Jamaican? No. Uh, is he? They're, no, they are English. White. English. Mm-hmm. Right. And how is the label now? You're still releasing stuff on the green sleeve label? Yes, we try to keep it separate mm-hmm. because. And we, why is that so? We do. We, we just thought that green sleeve has such a big impact. Mm-hmm. We just thought to keep them separate because green sleeve was very powerful in England and Europe, you know, because they do a lot of dub music. And we more or less do soca, a more mixture of music, while they, they sort of specialize in a certain type of mm-hmm. music. So we just keep it separate. But who knows, maybe later on, <laughs> we join Green Steve and VP together. Right, so the, the label is dormant or it's still active? It's still active. Mm-hmm. How we right. took over the label and the name and everything. Uh-huh. And the catalog as well. And the catalog, yes. Right, which is uh, pretty massive. Yes, and mm-hmm. that is why we become the largest independent record right. label throughout mm-hmm. the world, because we have most of the a wide selection of, of music, mm-hmm. especially all the small man music. Mm-hmm. You know, at one time back in Jamaica, you have all 15 records come out a day, you know. I know. You have it from the independent people plus the big majors. Mm-hmm. Big majors is like Prince Buster, Coxon, Duke, Techniques. But you have small producers, which they didn't sell much, but they're still producing. Mm-hmm. You know? And the competition so, must have been stiff, com- especially. Yeah, yeah like, competition right. was very hard for them. So they always but, but you know find what? the market at your one stop. Yes, but you know what? We've carried everything because we don't right. know the next hit. Hit is born in the street. Not so where's the, the concept? Where's the idea? Uh, came from for you to have a one-stop. Yeah, I mean, even Joe Gibbs was across the street. I heard you sold Joe Gibbs' record. Joe Gibbs didn't want to sell me his record. So I go buy six six hours record to mix with mine. Because when the country people come over on the sound system, they don't want to run 12 shops to buy one one record. They prefer to, you know, put on a 10, Mm. 20 cents and just get everything from one place. Mm. So it was a concept that I... I made, and I was the first one to have a, dan- a, a various artist dance all LP. And I, which one I was that? In the DJ's Choice. Oh, that was that was Rocksteady Timer. It was not. It was a dance hall. It was Jahush, and 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 quite a few of the dance hall uh, artists mm-hmm. because they have each of them have a hit, and I said, why don't you put all your hits together and make one LP? And we call it DJ's Choice. And what time period is that? I think it came out in the 60s, right. 60, 60s. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we have a few of them still. It's a collector's item. And, and then that will be in one of my, I can give you a little pre, pre. <laughs> We're going to put out a, a new box set right. parallel to my book mm-hmm. and all the songs that we produce. We're gonna put it on there, and and little and, and little anti, antidotes about the producer and the singers, because I've gone through sixty years <laughs> of wow. knowing them. I mean, when you say Bob Marley, is not what Bob Marley was 
not what you say about Marley's today, you know. Okay. Very shy. Yes. Dennis Brown, mm -hmm. Gregory Isaac, all of them. Even, even Sean Paul that made the big hits. Very, very shy. But little by little, they're getting the confidence. Mm -hmm. We are blessed that we're able to showcase them mm -hmm. and bring them up. Right. Uh, maybe we should talk a little bit about the female producers in Jamaica. There were so few that it would be easier to find a needle in a haystack than to find yes. female producer. But you and Miss Pattinger. Yes. Were there any other? No, just me and my Mrs. Pottinger. But you have the eye trees. They were the backup mm -hmm. for Bob Marley. But they were and saying they, they didn't produce they, records they, for other people, like no, on a large scale. They they did an LP for themselves, and then mm -hmm. Judy Mott went on their LP near Black Woman. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, Marcia Griffith did Electric Slide. Mm -hmm. So they were backup singers, but they didn't they didn't have a, a company for themselves. The mm -hmm. first LP they put out was with the eye trees, called themselves mm -hmm. the eye trees. But afterward, Judy Mott did solo Black Woman. Mm -hmm. And she said, Miss Pat, you're the first one ever by Angela, my LP, you know. Because, wow. <laughs> you know, when I first came here, yes, ma'am. They only knew Bob Marley. Mm -hmm. So I brought up a whole lot of uh, like, like roots music similar to Bob Marley, but I didn't catch on. It's mm -hmm. a dance, I'll put us on the map. Mm -hmm. Yellow Man, Beanie Man, Bujo Bantan, Sean Paul, anything in a DJ, that's what they liked. Because mm -hmm. at that time, hip-hop was going strong. Right. So it looked like they associated the dance hall with the hip-hop. What do you think that was a, that you think there was a downside to that uh, by promoting more the dance hall? Uh, uh, the roots music suffered, the conscious music, the message music suffered, and still is you, suffering I up to this Point. Yeah, I'll tell you how it worked. Over wow. my period of 60 years, mm -hmm. the dance hall music, the young people love it. Mm -hmm. When they get a little older, gone to the roots and culture. When they get a older, mm -hmm. a little older, they do the lovers rock. <laughs> so it's a cycle. <laughs> it's a cycle. But first of all, when you're young, it's the dance hall you're in. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. What a transition. So from. <laughs> yes, just yeah. like how. That's like how you have the scar. Then, then you have this. Then you have, first of all, you have the mentor. Right. Then you have the scar. Then mm -hmm. you have rock steady. Then you have the drum and bass. Then you have dancehall. Dancehall is what the young people love now. Mm -hmm. Because the Spice just came out with her thing and it just blowing up. It's a dancehall. She sing with Shaggy and Sean Paul. And everybody's crazy about this. She's three times this week, she's on the, on the TV station. Mm -hmm. They just love it. So as a young people, that makes the dance hall be, be where the dance hall is. But roots and culture is the one that come after. You're more mellow. <laughs> You're more in the parties going <laughs> so on. So these the same parties. people will be listening later on. Ex uh, yes. One exception, uh, their taste will change. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I realize that some of the record fans know, they want to know what happened 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. So you see a transition going backward. Mm -hmm. because they love the dance hall so much, they want to know where it comes from. So they are trying to do the history now. Mm -hmm. So you will see all the old records, they are rehashing them coming up. And that's mm -hmm. why we have to repress a lot of the vinyl. Like the vinyl instance, is still what were some of the ones that, uh, that you had to repress for the record? Everything in vinyl. Ah. Everything in vinyl. So there's an upsurge now in vinyl? Yes. 
Bernal, because in Europe, the, the sound system is what carrying the music. Sound and the sound men are playing that flash drive yeah. on CD, but records. And not only that, the younger generation, some of the record fans, they want to know what happened 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Who was the singers? How the music changed? They want to go back in the history, like, oh, you're asking me now to tell you what happened 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. They're now trying to trace back the music. You know, we Jamaicans, we are very blessed with the music because we, 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 change with the, we change with the rhythm, we change with the producers, we change with the time. Right now, dancehall is big and it stay like because of the young people. When I care roots music, they didn't associate it, although they love Bob Marley, you know. Mm-hmm. It's the dancehall that really put us on the map, especially Sean Paul, because mm-hmm. I think it sounded a little like hip hop. And I right. say to hip hop, they didn't accept it at first. I but know now that. they say that they can make money out of it, so the big company mm-hmm. take it over. So the driving force is the almighty dollar. Oh, the almighty dollar. The almighty but dollar. we stay independent mm-hmm. because I tell somebody that we have to stay independent because we have a lot of new singers coming up. So we have to cradle mm-hmm. them and develop them up to be not everybody going to be a superstar mm-hmm. what i said um the record is such a wide business you don't even have to be a singer you can be a musician you can mm-hmm. be a writer you can be somebody like you talking about the history you can do so much things you know in the music now you don't right. have to be a singer there's so mm-hmm. much the internet my grandkids are in the internet they put up all the music on the Spotify and the Apple and all that. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. And my granddaughter, she's in the, making all the artwork for the CDs and the jackets. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned Spice. Uh, any other new artists that uh, people should look out for? Well, uh, right now, they're all focusing on Spice. Any new artists that you're ne- listening oh, to when you drive Robert around Berger. in the car or perhaps at home? Well, we have Roman Virgo and, yes. and, and quite a few. And we have Spice, mm-hmm. we have Etana, we mm-hmm. have um, Janine. We have quite a few female singers that mm-hmm. we are bringing up to the table. And you still, and stay, abreast of, you still stay abreast of the new singers, even though you're not behind the counter anymore? Yes, yes. Well, well I, I always have my ears to the street. Yes, ma'am. I went to Ratatam in Spain and I met, mm-hmm. and I met Janine and I said to Chris, my son, Chris, you better listen to Janine. She's going to be the next superstar. Well, your prediction was so right. She was supposed yes. to play the Hollywood Bowl last year. If it wasn't for the pandemic, that's the biggest, um, one of the biggest concert venues in the West Coast. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we love when a female coming up because mm-hmm. we had been pushed back for such a long time. Mm-hmm. I remember Itana said to me when she started to go on stage, they would put her on, but they didn't put her on. Every time they said, not your time coming up yet. Not your time. You mean sometime in Jamaica? Day, yeah. Sometimes the whole day they don't put her on the stage. You know, because they just feel like the woman wasn't the right time. Like when I came here, I didn't know that I was a woman doing, <laughs> doing man's job. I was only working. But I'm happy that they are now shining. We mm-hmm. need more women on stage, however. And then right. Spice is going to make a big, big hit now because our LP coming out. I'll send you some clips of the pictures. Yes, ma'am. And it's produced in Jamaica? Yes. Jamaican Jamaica. producer? Uh-huh. Yes. We, we, and then we mix here. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we have done three LPs with her already. You know, yeah, man, I'm familiar. Mm-hmm. Our, our, her, her, our time is just ripe. Mm-hmm. So our, why is this one blowing up so much? It's because she has some of the biggest names in the reggae fraternity and dancehall fraternity. Sean Paul and Shaggy are these are yes. just factors. I, I think I think the combination of the three of them. Yes. Plus our acting or or whatever she does mm-hmm. is really a time for them to. Yes, mm-hmm. so we have been locked down for so long. And we did a show with Barry Someone, and we get the most hits, well, a lot of millions, because it was so successful. Mm-hmm. Extremely well all produced. The stars because mm-hmm. everybody is so locked down. And when I saw that show, we put on all the Jamaican singers on it. It was, it was like two hours full with all the best from Jamaica. It was, we get us such a beautiful response. Yes, and oh, was, when you say we, meaning was put on by the record company. By the, the, record, the record company. company. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was sponsored with, with uh, Barry Salmon. Mm-hmm. Highlighted with Barry Salmon. Right. Barry so Salmon ca- of over 60 LP, you know. I didn't know it was that many, but I know he's signed to the label and he's really well produced, uh, well well published and yeah. promoted by VP Records. I know that. 60. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we're going to make the, the best. We're going to make like a book set for him to, uh, to honor him. Right. And next, next, um, next year, we hope to do a lot more shows because we have been locked down for so long. Mm-hmm. But everything is sort of getting quieter now. Right. So we hope we, we can do more shows. Because mm-hmm. once a year, we go to, we go to um, in the city, they call it um, in the park. Central Park. Yes, that's a big one in New York. And we usually mm-hmm. big, bring all our artists, showcase them. Mm-hmm. And the people love it so much, the park full. So yeah. they ask us to do it for next year. Two nice. years they put us on and they ask mm-hmm. us again to come next right. year. Let but me remind our oh, wonderful... Uh, yes. did, I, did I interrupt you rudely? Oh, yeah. So I just want to remind um, our viewers that I'm in conversation with Miss Pat. She's the head honcho of uh, VP Records, started out as Randy's record, uh, North Parade, Kingston, Jamaica, moved to uh, Jamaica. Well, they love Jamaica so much that they moved to Queens, Jamaica, Queens. Queens. <laughs> yes. So we conversation talking about her 60 years behind the scene, and now she has stepped forward to a new memoir and a documentary. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, how Studio 17 documentary came about and then your book. Okay, four years ago, you know, my parents, their, their, their four parents, one from India, one from China, mm-hmm. they didn't talk about their journey, you know. I know they take almost six months on ship and they land in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. They didn't share with us much about their struggle and why they came to Jamaica. They came to Jamaica really from betterment and to work. And the Panama Canal was one of the draw because they could get work. So I wanted to change that dynamic. I wanted my great grandkids to know what I did. So my book started out like a little information for my grandkids. Mm -hmm. And it started out like a scrapbook with pictures of me, the family. Then, Then it started out, it started to get so big. I started to talk about the artists. So I get someone to write the text. Then after I write the text, I said, God, we'll have to put the pictures on the producers. So they even up, end up a coffee table book. It's a whole 100 pages wow. and over 100 pictures. So I have the scrap and I have a scrapbook that goes with it. 
because the pictures were so much <laughs> that I had to make a different book. So my journey in, the, in my memoirs is really 60 years of music, which covers from when I was born. It, it covers 80 years because next month, next month I'm in September, I'll be 84. Congratulations, so, man. Yeah, man, the 60 years of the music. It covers when I was born, and then it covers 20 years when I got married and have the store, and then it covers 40 years since I'm here. So that covered 80 years. <laughs> I've gone, gone from mental. Why? You know, but you know, Miss Bat, uh, it, it even gets a little bit more serious now because. You have outlived literally just about every one of your mentors, everyone who you actually started out with, almost without exception, you know, Desmond Decagon, Cox and Duke Reed, even though Cox, Duke Reed was much, much older, but they're all gone. Joe Gibbs, all them techniques, relatively young man when he passed, all the practically, practically, they're all gone. Are you still here standing? I tried to this get conversation. Yeah, You're yes. extremely fortunate, you know, with good genes. You know, I just met Toots. I met him in Jamaica in January last. Oh, you never knew him before. I knew him, but we had never we had met. Lost contact. Mm -hmm. But I met him, and we had such a great time. And little after he passed on. The same thing with you, Roy. Bonnie mm -hmm. Lee. Well, I know Bonnie Lee because I'm born in Jamaica. And yeah, Bonnie Lee was everybody. Bonnie Lee was just in the England for such a long time producing. I mean, these people, I knew them from when they just started music. We're talking about and, from 1950-something. And, 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 and you know who, again, I brought him up here two years ago, give him an award, Bonnie Whalers. Mm -hmm. We come, we come oh, congratulations. such friends. Wow. We come, become such good friends. Mm -hmm. And we go way back. And he spent many months with me up here. We went for dinner no with Jack and everything. He went down Jamaica. We're glad you're bringing this forward because we would not know that. Uh -huh. we went, when we, and he went back home and he passed on. So we have a lot of loss. My brother just passed on in September too. A As a result of, of the... Um, oh, wow. Lot of loss. Lot of loss. You, Roy. I mean, you know, it's just like just one behind the other. But I'm grateful and I'm thankful that I'm here to share my story. Yes. I yes. want to bring up one of my books that I can put it up on the screen. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, we're going to give it that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yes, all right. Wow. Wow. Yes. Gosh, your brother. Yes, my brother mm -hmm. passed on. You know, was you know he, I'm I, sure he was here in the States, right? Not Jamaica. Yeah, he, he was visiting me, but he went back down and he passed on. Oh, he lived in Jamaica? live in Jamaica. Ah. I give you a little joke with my dad. When he moved to Ocheres, uh -huh. you know, sound system was a big thing there because... Jack what time Hogan, period now? Maybe, maybe in the late 70s. Okay. Before I came here. Mm -hmm. Jack Ruby brought sound system to Oche because he was a big cat with sound system. Yes, man. He was the man. In, yeah. So sound system played 24-7. So he said to me, Pat... Oh my God, dance hall was just coming in. I don't know what the hell I'm saying, you know, but I get to love it because you're in it. <laughs> What's on the DJ? You don't know what they're saying. Right. The and how they mm -hmm. rhyme the rhythm. Yeah. I really have to give credit for this for the DJs. Right. Because for them to just rhyme in the rhythm. 
it's a skill. Because yeah, I, yeah, I think uh, you, Roy, lay the foundation. Yeah, mm. that, that, you, you, Roy, I, Roy, all of them. King Stitch, he, he had a disability for his mouth. Mm -hmm. Well, when you go on that mic, there's something else. Post. Oh my God. Oh my God, they're just so nice. Mm -hmm. So I have to give credit for all of the DJs because they right. had a skill and mm -hmm. they just rhymed the rhythm. And then sound system was a big thing for us because remember, right. they make the record and get popular, you know. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. Because they used to play on the street side. Right. They used to play at the Chinese shop. The Chinese mm -hmm. shop, they asked me, how come the Chinese get so much in music? I said, well, the Chinese shop have the Pesa. Mm -hmm. The Pesa were very hung out to know what's going on. So the sound system was always on the Pesa. So the children, them... The children, them of the native and the Chinese children, them are friends. They grow mm -hmm. up together. Uh, back in Jamaica, we all are Jamaicans. Right. You know, think about color. Mm -hmm. uh, we're Jamaican first. Right. <laughs> then, then and Chinese Jamaicans play a significant role in the development of Jamaican music. Yeah. Um, you had Baron You can mention some of them help me out. I know Beverly Record, you know, they, we don't give him credit, but they produce some of the biggest artists, you know, for instance, that's where Jimmy Cliff and Bob Marley got their yeah. start. Desmond right. Decker got his start Desmond there. Decker, yes. Those are the biggest, some of the biggest names in the Jamaican music yeah. during that era. 54, 46. Uh -huh. So um, the Chinese was like Beverly's, KG, right. Byron Lee, uh -huh. Pop Deck. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Channel One. Channel right. One made a lot of good music too. Yes, my dear. Because they took over at one point. At mm -hmm. one time, yes. Mm -hmm. I, I passed through all of the hands. <laughs> yes. I, woman, I had to sell everything so I get to know all of them. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I was in charge of the counter, as I told you. Right. To buy and to sell and to meet the producers, the singers, the artists, mm -hmm. everybody. My husband was in charge of the studio. So we have two different kind of work. <laughs> yes, they wonder how me and my husband run the same type of business, but we split the, we split the activities. <laughs> he does the student work and I do the shop. Uh, nice. I remember when you used to have the little restaurant. From nine o'clock, the soup have to put on to have lunch by 11. So, you know, we have to cut up the vegetable, everything. As a you do that too? Pot. We had soup, 15 cents a bowl. <laughs> well, it was really a one-stop. Not only one selling stop. the glass of feeding the hungry. Cox and pass through and come by a party and a soda and listen to music. Schoolboy, them come and stop and listen to music. Actually, my book, if you mm -hmm. see it, I'm going to send for one right now. A person who did a cover for me and all the artwork. Is a very good friend of mine here, Michael Thompson. He left Jamaica when he was 12. He told me you used to pass at the shop, come listen to music because his father worked on King Street Bottom on the railway station. So he used to pass by and listen to music. And he left Jamaica when he was 12. I didn't know him that time. Mm -hmm. Five years I got to, get to meet him because of his art. He does some beautiful art. And he was the one that encouraged me to write my story wow and if you look in the book everything that he has done with his partner maria uh -huh. he's the one that put all the pictures in the book for me mm -hmm. he told me about writing the book and the picture the cover of the book 
Mm -hmm. He designed it for me. I have seen it, but you don't have a copy that we can put on display. Yes, I'm with. I'm sending for it right, right now. If you can give me a second, okay. Come on, take two seconds. Mm -hmm. yes. Well, I remind the listeners that I made conversation up. with Miss Pat. Uh, yeah. That's her, of course, her lovingly and affectionately street name from Kingston, Jamaica to New York City and now worldwide. Started a Jamaica, Kingston City to be exact with um, Randy's records. And now they, she moved to Jamaica, I think 1977, they are about to establish VP records. Couldn't use the name Randy because her brother-in-law had a record store in Brooklyn and he was already using the name Randy so well. She spontaneously came up with VP, Victor and Pat, that's her husband. Uh, as the business progressed and really, really and truly progressed, they ended up owning Greensleeve Records in London. That was a major, major undertaking. And now she has a store in England. VP is in Miami. And of course, New York, where they're headquartered. And I think she mentioned earlier that they also have a VP in Brazil. So congratulations to Miss Pat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 84 this year, and she's still, um, she's, she's still going strong. Uh, she's trying to pull up a picture to show her memoir. Yeah, Garrett. Let me just call Garrett to bring it up for me. One yes, ma'am. Uh -huh. And are you pleased with the... Um, the sales, how is your family? Are they pleased with the sales of the book? Well, you know, we, we're doing the footwork. We're uh -huh. hoping, we're really penetrating our core first because I right. think everything starts from the core. Everything ah. starts from the root. I'm doing a lot of interviews like you are interviewing me now. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling that the proceeds for the book is going to my foundation. Wonderful. St. Anne Pat Foundation because right. I want to give it back to help the underprivileged in music. Mm -hmm. music education and really to produce and really to to sustain and and carry on the music so the pro the proceeds of that chris can you send up a book for me up on the top so i'm doing a zoom you now chris yes yes can you send up a book for me now i'm up up in the office please where? upstairs the office i'm up in the office doing a zoom in the conference room? Yes. You want a book? Yes, a Pat Miss okay. Pat book. Okay, yes. just send it up for me with anybody. Okay. My son. <laughs> yes. So, I was so is that your my, older son? Yeah, my son, Chris. He uh, was only seven year old when he started working in the store. I know I'm vaguely from only New York. I, I met him in New York. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so as I was saying, so the family, they're pleased with their memoir? Yes, they all, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's really on the, sometimes, you know, sometimes beautiful things happen, but you don't know at the same time. It's long after you realize how beautiful it is. I didn't even realize my music was so accepted all over the world. Mm. Reggae music, they love reggae music all over the world, you know. I got to Mexico three times. I got to Cuba, Rotterdam, Spain all over the place. I went to Alaska and hear the three-piece band. Mm -hmm. You know, the scrapbook here come for me too. So the, can you see it? Yes, man, very well. Uh -huh. You're doing an excellent job. Yes, Miss Pat, mm -hmm. my reggae music. The artwork is magnificent. Yes. So send me your address. I'll send one for you, a compliment, yes. and I'll sign it for you. 
You bet. Mm -hmm. You have you have my email. We have everything. All right. So send it and I'll send off one for you. Yes. And your and your operator right there. <laughs> yes, man. Best friend too. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. And then it, it has a lot of pictures. Duke Reed, Coxon, everybody in it, Prince Buster. The jukebox people that I started with who gave me the old used jukebox. Yeah. The father. The yeah. father. I met the son 50 years after. The son wow. of the man that started me in business. I met his son. And he owns the, the S Hotels in Kingston. Beautiful mm -hmm. soul. Beautiful right. people. That's mm -hmm. what I was selling. Anybody want to start a business? Don't, don't be afraid. Start where you are. Work hard. Make sure it's what you really love. Mm -hmm. And don't make anybody tell you you can't make it. Right. So outside, so, of, the, outside of practicing nursing for a little bit, your entire life has been me. selling and creating, making, managing skia from mentor yes. to where we are now. That's one profession and one only. And this is a scrapbook with, with uh -huh. a whole lot of pictures. I, I, will, I will send one for you too. Yes. It have been all the politicians who I took news from and all my friends and the artists. So it's all over the place. All the artists, wow. everybody. So you were taking pictures from way back then then? Yes, I, Without I, I, knowing I used to love why you were I, I, I used to love photo photography when I was 14. And my father bought me, when he go to England, my father used to do trucking. Mm. When he went to England to buy the trucks from the same Mr. Issa, you know, you see your hey. life on it come yeah. right around. Wow. The same man that started me off with the jukebox is the same yes. man start off my dad. He <laughs> <laughs> was selling trucks. Issa is one of the richest, was one of the richest people in Jamaica. Yes, man. So I, grew, I grew up knowing that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now they own hotels and the sons. The Mr. Christopher Issa is such a darling person. Wow. I tell you, we have a lot of good people in this world. Yes. As I said, anybody want to start a business, make sure mm -hmm. you just work hard. Make sure that you, you can ask for help. There's mm -hmm. a lot of help out there for you. Don't be afraid to ask. Just said, I don't know how to do it. Can you show me? Can you teach me? Can you show me how it's done? Because I've got mm -hmm. a lot of help through other people myself. Right. And I'm so grateful, you know. I'm yes, ma'am. And most I see of all, most of mm -hmm. all, when you reach that top, bring up people with you. Mm -hmm. Right. Bring up somebody with you. And mm -hmm. don't remember. Remember also to give back. Mm -hmm. That's why the, the proceeds of my book is going to my foundation. Mm -hmm. And the name of the foundation again? Vincent and Pat Family Foundation. Yes, ma'am. My book is available from vpregger.com. Mm -hmm. And it's available and, and Pat vnpfoundation.org. Mm -hmm. vnpfoundation.org. Mm -hmm. If you go on the website and you give a donation, it's all there. We'll send right. a book for you. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, at this point, now we have some fun questions. So, producer and good friend Eric Kohler is going to join us. Okay. Yeah. Hi, Miss Pat. I've really I, loved hearing you uh, tell your stories and having you and Junior reminisce and um, some wonderful anecdotes as well and life lessons. So thank you for, for being a guest on, uh, on today's episode. Um, just a couple of questions. Um, there were more, but actually you touched on a couple of them throughout this episode, but uh, two fan questions. Uh, one being, do you recall 
Studio 17, who were some of the core musicians, maybe some of the most frequent musicians that took part uh, in those recording sessions? Well, we have Jackie Metu. He came up there very regularly. Wow. All the scatterlight bands. Uh, Roland Alfonso. From everybody in the scatterlight band come there and record wow, in one way or another. But uh, we also have American bands like Johnny Nash take his crew with him. So we were a haven for all musicians because where Studio 17 was recorded, they could record, mix, cut a dub plate and bring it downstairs for the public to hear it. Right. So we were very fortunate that we had all the steps, recording, mixing, dub plate and play to the public. We didn't have a sound system, but that was one of the secrets that we had everything on the one roof. Yes. Truly one stop. As long as they recorded, we mix it same time for them. Then they go next door and they do the dub plate, the acetate, and then they come downstairs where they could get the feedback from the public. Wow. So that, that's a secret we had. Real, real time, real time mm -hmm. feedback. And don't leave what them can get food right there next door. And then get food right ice cream. When Aki is in Aki and Salfish. When Bob Molly used to pass through, he's passed through very regular because he was a great fan of football. So it's, everybody hung out right there. As I told him, my friend, it was like a hangout spot. They call it Igler's Rest because mm -hmm. everybody come and rest right there. Wow. Musician, artists, producers, buyers, sellers, sound system, DJs, everybody, buyers from England. We used to have a lot of foreigners from Europe because they love the reggae music. And they would just, the studio was in session, they want a backup singer. They would just say, Deborah Wilson, come on. Or if they want a musician, we want another guitarist, just send them upstairs. So they were just hoping to get a job right there. We were very naive too, because we didn't have anything like contract going. <laughs> just send a little right. piece of paper, they go upstairs, $20 a hour. And I think, to really get a musician, it was so cheap that, <laughs> but mm -hmm. it was big money at that time. 60 years ago, $20 was a lot of money. But there so was a lot of, have... there was a lot of trust and faith. In, yes, in, trust yeah. and, 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 and it was like, it's a new item, for, it's a new culture for us because we didn't have music, we didn't have reggae music before, you know, right. it was just R&B. Mm -hmm. Then when we True. create our own music, when we got independence in 1962, I think from 1962, in the 60s and the 70s, the 50s, 60s and 70s was a big time for mm -hmm. creation of our music. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you have 15 records come out a week because mm -hmm. everybody was trying to compete with each other. The musician competed, producers competed, the DJs competed, the, the producers right. compete with each other. That's why when they asked me, how come we have version, version, we ordered first one created version mm -hmm. when 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 you have a hot rhythm everybody wants to do it better sure everybody yeah. competition all over the sound system compete with each other the producers compete so that yeah our music is all about competition and that's why it is so beautiful so so the second question is in your opinion during the sky and rock study years um specifically who are some of the underrated singers who, who, who you feel might have not gotten their due respect? Or maybe at least, maybe not right, right away, but maybe later on. But, but, but are there any that, that you can think of? 
Sorry to put I you on the spot, but I know Augustus Pablo was one. They experimented. Right. But when he made Java Java, that was a big hit for us because in Europe, in England especially, they really loved that song because it was a it was a song that came in to break the monotony of German bass. It was just a beautiful way of mixing the 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 the, the, the music that he plays within the drum and bass. Mm. So sometime after drum and bass, it become monotonous. So that was just a beautiful rhythm part to make it much. I don't remember the term that Mr. Siago said, but it really was a beautiful time. Then you have Black Scorpio, he put out so many records and so much of small producers had mm -hmm. so many people on their label, but they didn't sell much. Maybe they'll sell a hundred or, you know, 50. Sometimes they would give you a box of 25 records come in a box and they would leave it because they didn't know what is consignment. Right. What happened, they used to go around house to house and sell one each record. But I will introduce them to leave the records, leave some of the records at the store, whatever sells, I will pay you for it. Bought a little book and show them how to write it up. And that's how we started business. We all were very naive. We just was just doing a thing. We were learning as you, as you went along. We were learning as uh, we yes. go along. We didn't go to any business school, but they trust me and which live up to our obligations. Yeah, yeah. Anything to help the music industry and to help them. My husband was very sociable and we would give them the student and pray for them to make a hit. <laughs> we could get back a little sure, more. Sure, of course, of course, yeah. <laughs> they have $5, $10, okay, go go use it, but make sure when you make the hit, make the hit quick that right, you can't right. <laughs> And that was the only studio that they could actually do that. You couldn't do that at any other studio. Most of the studio. I think we're about 63, that's when uh, Coxon opened his studio, same year as you, and then you create came the year after. But you know, they only produce their records. Oh, yeah, man, you're kidding. Nobody else. <laughs> but we open the studio for everybody, yes, for the right, small producers. Right. And that's a because distinctive as I difference. Said, my husband was very sociable, and we grew mm -hmm. up learning that community is very good for us. Mm -hmm. Because if you treat people right, it comes back in different ways. Wow. So we opened a studio for hiring, and it was $20 an hour. I remember 90, all of them come to produce come to make records they didn't have oh. all the money i said ten dollars okay ten dollars mm. when you come back again i'll go make a hit and come back <laughs> and then i lend them the money to go press the records so that we can get the records to sell benefit them and benefit us yeah mm. that's why Trust. we had so much independent labels yeah. right Trust right well as we as we near the end um Ms. Pat, was there anything that we didn't touch on or that you might not have had a chance to say yet that you would want our viewers and your fans around the world to know? Well, I would just like to thank you guys for what we're doing now. You know, I've been, I've been getting interviews from so many people all over the world because a lot of people tell me they didn't know that I was part behind the scene. So I am blessed that I have this opportunity to be sharing my story after 60 years in the business. And I want to thank the reggae fans and all the fans that really supported the music over the years, because without them, we wouldn't have a VP records. <coughs> without them, we wouldn't have a Randy's records. And I have to give thanks to producers. Yes. 
the DJs, especially the sound system also, because mm -hmm. without them, the radio didn't want to play the music yeah. because I didn't think the music was good enough. But I think the people demanded the music. That's why they had to accept it. Mm -hmm. It was just R&B we had. So I am very thankful that I'm in the music to see when it started. And as I told him, I'm just coming from a show with Spice. Yes. And, and, and Shaggy and also with Sean Paul. It's a big hit. So I hope you will hear it soon. And Absolutely. we're doing a new LP with her now. Yeah, so no, congratulations. And everybody, because when they make a hit and when they do good, I'm really happy for them because we feel good because it's our culture. Absolutely, we have, as you we should. Have always, we have always stayed independent because we have a lot of more singers that we want to train and bring up. So we have always stayed independent. I am blessed to have a good staff, my children who came in the business with me. And I'm blessed for people like you who wanted to hear my story. So I thank you very um, much. No, we, we thank you. And, I, and mm -hmm. I'd like to say as well, um, from 94 for about 10 years, uh, Junior and I were part of, along with a few other key people, uh, Reggae Nucleus magazine that was based out here in VP. And I dealt a lot with, with Randy, um, your son, right, Randy, um, to really help um, uh, as far as an advertiser and, and send us product for reviews. And so um, VP has always been very special to us. And, and uh, so congratulations and a, and a big thank you to you and the family and really enjoyed uh, this conversation. And we'll make sure to include the links to your to your uh, organization and to your books and yes. and the studio 17 documentary mm -hmm. so, yes and the the book beautiful. Is yes, yes, beautiful. Well. beautiful yes yes beautiful beautiful artwork mm -hmm. yeah we will we, sign in one for you okay thank you thank and you I, so and much i want to thank you very much to keep the music alive and to really share my story with you you know I, i've been in california one time about three years ago and uh, a customer came up to me and said, gosh, you know, when I received your box, I was so happy. It's like Christmas for me because when <laughs> I open that box, I get a lot mm -hmm. of goodies and telling me about the music. And even when I went to Mexico, somebody bought reggae gold from me 20 years ago and they brought <laughs> told me to sign it. Wow. So it, it's really. Yeah. And as I told him, when I went to Alaska and we were coming off the ship, there was a little three-piece band downstairs welcoming And what did they play? Bob Marley's One Love, mm -hmm. One Heart. So I said, oh, my God, I mean, our music has gone all over the world. I could imagine how you felt, yes. Yes, wow. I'm feeling happy because I was there from its start until Absolutely. Now. Well, thank you for mm -hmm. all that you've done, thank too. Yes, I miss, but I would be remiss not to tell you that couple of people have said to me that they had absolutely no idea that VP Records was a Jamaican label. So that's these volume. It is so extremely well run. He said, VP is not Jamaican. So we had to go back and forth, you know, like a wrestling match. I said, no, it's Jamaican. Not only Jamaican, I know the owners. <laughs> so then that settled that. <laughs> yes, so well I, run. <laughs> From yes, 1950 yes. something to 2021 something. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes ma'am. Well, blessings and love to you. And continue yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate uh, you. Absolutely. Yes, thanks for your time. Same, same mm -hmm. to you and, and all yes. of us to your family, Mr. Mm -hmm. Right. And I want to uh, remind our viewers to follow us on, at the History of LSK on Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and join our Facebook group. This series is produced by my good friend here, Eric Kohler, for the Rocker Radio. 
Please follow at Rockery underscore radio on Instagram for fresh rock rhythm and soul playlists on Spotify that are posted daily. This man is so extremely well disciplined. Once again, Miss Pat, thanks. And thanks to all our viewers and listeners for their support. And Junior, thank you to you as well. Yes, it is. Miss Pat, have a wonderful time. Blessings and love. Love yes. and reggae music. Absolutely. Yes. Much love and respect. And we'll thank be you. in touch. All right. Absolutely. Take care. Bye. All right. Yes. Uh, one, two, and a one, two, three.